I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of the Cult Popsha podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post-credit scenes at the end of each episode, or even contribute to the discussion in the episode itself, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash Party on, Richard. Party on, Garth. Yeah, wait a minute. (laughs) That's the wrong dude show. Dude franchise. Do you know what's so funny? That like for two weeks, I've been planning to start the podcast exactly like that. (laughs) And I did it by accident. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome along, everybody. It's the new year. It's the first podcast we are recording in the new year. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the first to have been released in the year. The first we're recording in 2022. This is, of course, uh, the f- film franchise Fortnite's on the Cold Popsha podcast, where once a fortnight we discuss a, a either randomly selected or Patreon selected film franchise. And Richard, I am delighted to report that Kia New Year continues last fortnight <laughs> we covered the matrix to tie into the new movie and then this fortnight the uh patreons the patrons voted on bill and ted the bill and ted trilogy making it kiar new year which begs the question everybody's asking will we randomly roll the john wick movies when it comes to franchise roulette at the end of this episode well now that you've said the words john wick i'm hope well i was going to say them later on in the episode anyway according to my notes mm. but but i'm hoping like now that i've put it into the ether that that little god that actually wants some congruity to what we talk about mm. week to week on our podcast is going to make the random number generator get us john wick just so just so kian new year can last that little bit longer yeah so as as I said, so I'm AJ and that's Richard over there. Any other introductions we need to do up top? Uh, it's just us two, I think. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, introduction to my new uh, recording studio. Oh, yes. Um, so just, you know, putting a warning up top. If it sounds bad, it's because it's the first time I've recorded here. Mm. And um, it's such a small room, I haven't done any kind of um I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, you'd hope so. But, I also I mean, like, like how this this tells everyone, and I'm the same, that we don't really like test anything ahead of time. It's just well, it's just too much work. The, the podcast is just our test, our dry run to see mm. if it works. Yeah, well, we could have done a yeah. We don't have like a Patreon podcast that we could have tested it on because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ones that you pay for, no one cares about those. <laughs> Alrighty, well, Richard, the Bill and Ted trilogy uh, is what we're, we're going to be talking about for the next hour or so, and it is, I've written a comedy science fiction, science fiction series, 
uh, consisting mm-hmm. of an original film in 1989 called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's 1991 sequel, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And finally, uh, or most recently, I should say, a distant sequel almost 30 years finally later. worked just as well for that sentence. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, almost 30 years later in 2020 called Bill and Ted Face the Music. Uh, if you haven't seen them before, the series primarily focuses on the time-traveling adventures of two 80s heavy metal-obsessed, stereotypical California dudes, kind of that kind of character uh, named Bill and Ted, played by Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, in a role which probably flexes his acting ability more than anything he's done since, I think. Every Alex other, Winter or Keanu Reeves? Keanu Reeves. Whenever <laughs> I would see a Keanu Reeves movie after The Matrix, it was always like he was playing neo to various stoic yeah yeah whereas this is this is this is quite an unexpected i mean it was his first big role but you know if you didn't know about this movie until you were as a a teenager like me you would have been quite surprised to see him pull off a pretty good comedic performance Mm. yeah it is interesting and i'm sure we'll talk about keanu yes as an entity later on but yeah like he's uh, yeah i think it's more than anything it's his it's his comedic timing that's kind of got him where he is and mm. then later on develop learning to you know be well choreographed in action movies mm. Mm. uh despite having a very loose sort of internal logic and rubber band of reality and uh even the characterization is a little loose at times uh all three films stick quite tightly to like the central truth the central idea at the center of the of the story uh which each plot of each movie is predicated on and that is at some point in the future bill and ted make a song that is so powerful it unites the entire world slash universe slash reality that's what they change it every every movie or so um resulting in a futuristic utopia where their philosophies of being excellent to each other and uh partying on are treated as doctrine and the duo are almost worshipped as gods so that's generally what the series is about bill and ted as characters were created by ed solomon and chris matheson in early 1987 based on a comedy stand-up routine they had performed while in college um apparently there was a third member named bob who left due to lack of interest (laughs) so he didn't get a movie um and despite only having two movies in the series up until very recently uh, bill and ted as an ip has become very much a cultural phenomenon uh, which is delighted fans the world over for its embracing of gen x slacker stereotypes and maybe the most important proliferation of the like whoa surfer is it surfer it's more like stoner dude kind of voice yeah but they just can't say stoner i guess so yeah So let's get into yeah. it. The first movie we're going to talk about is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, which, as I said, came out in 1989. It was directed by Stephen Herrick, whose name we have seen, my favorite game on the podcast. We are, This is our fourth Stephen <laughs> Herrick franchise for film franchise Fortnite. Can you name any of the other three? Uh, can you spell Herrick for me? H-E-R-E-K. Are you looking it up? Is that why you, you want to? No, 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 no. It's like I haven't. <laughs> Um, could you use it in a sentence? Uh, Stephen Herrick directed Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm, okay. Um, is is this movie like out of character for him? Um, 
I would say looking at what he's done, there maybe is no <laughs> dominant right, creative right. idea that has followed through all his work. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's no like um, director trademark section on his IMDb. <laughs> I dare say they're all of similar quality. But that depends on how much you like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> uh, are they? Are we talking like straight to DVD sequels? No, no, theatrically released, okay, just maybe right. not the most prestigious examples of. Are they? So they're, so they're four separate franchises. Four separate franchises. Yep. Or I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> he has directed Critters, The Mighty Ducks, and the 1996 101 Dalmatians remake. Nice. <laughs> I, and I'm sure that when we covered all of those movies, we brought him up then too, because I can't imagine getting this many franchises into a director without noticing that they've mm. done a lot already um do you know the guy <laughs> do you know what bill and ted's excellent adventure has on ron tomatoes three thousand percent wow that's a gross misunderstanding of how percentages and rotten tomatoes <laughs> works and also such praise for bill and ted's excellent adventure as well no, it does not have 3,000% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has 81%. So 81% of critics... Oh, okay, I was close. Liked it. You were close in the grand scheme of things. You know, if, if your scale is a billion, it's very close. Mm. <laughs> very close indeed. Um, what is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure about? So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is about two sort of slackers. Um, <laughs> but like, well, as you mentioned, it's the... the we we actually open in the future mm. where there's a utopian society um who yeah as you said sort of believe the philosophy of the the two great ones billy s preston esquire and ted theodore logan um one of them a guy called rufus uh, played by or one of the you know future guys played by george carlin uh travels back in time to ensure that they uh pass their history class because if they fail it like you know it's skews the timeline off into this tangent creating an alternate uh 1998 yeah yeah um but yeah and so they he goes back they've got their band the wild stallions Mm. and essentially yeah he says like you need to pass your history them so he they go back in time and recruit a bunch of historical figures or kidnap them uh wherever needed and Mm. um and bring them back to put on the greatest history assignment of all time. Um, and along the way, they pick up these two princesses from medieval yeah. England who um, they fall in love with. Mm. Yes. Um, and what did you think of this film? Had you seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure before? I had not seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure before. I, you know, through osmosis and through being a pulp, pop culture guy a cult uh, culture guy yeah i was aware of the plot more or less mm-hmm. and yeah i i found it fun it's a it's a fun movie and you know you can see why i mean like watching it in 2022 which is what year it is <laughs> it is fun like like the, the main novelty i think for me and probably for for you is seeing keanu play this character yeah yeah sure that it's like seeing this actor who we've grown up knowing as one thing Mm. do like what he was known for because like the thing the whole thing of like oh you know keanu reeves says whoa in every movie and it's like 
I've never actually seen a movie where it would make sense for him to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. It is it is fun to see what it used to be like. And also, like, the reward to then, not to jump ahead, but to watch Bill and Ted's face the music and mm. see him return to that role is very interesting. Yeah. I had seen this film once before, probably over 10 years ago. I was still in high school, so it would have been over 10 years ago, which is a grim reality for me. Um, I specifically remember being really excited to finally watch it because I'd only just found out it existed relatively recently. I remember not knowing this existed at all until I was like a teenager. And when I finally did watch it, I remember I was in my friend's garage um, we were watching it on like a 50 inch TV uh, and I was in kind of a depressed and angsty teen mood um, and I remember cool. not being especially blown away by it. So I was keen to rewatch it for the podcast because I was like, yeah, cool. I'm in a fantastic adult mature mood um, now to, to, to watch this, you know, comedy classic from from the late 80s. And I got to say, <laughs> I don't think this is a very good movie. <laughs> like I I... And I'm sorry because I know this is one of those sacrilegious things where everyone is like, you have, you know, I think we will talk about it later. But one of our um, cult elders referred to it as a as a litmus test, which I'm very nervous about reading mm-hmm. that comment out loud. Um, I I'll say this: this is not going to be a this is not going to be like Phantasm where I dunk on the whole series because I I do yeah. like a lot of stuff going on, but. Um, yeah, look, firstly, firstly, I'll say this. I think the performances in all three movies, and, and, and including this one, uh, are hilarious. Everyone yeah. is doing a really, really, really strong comedic performance. Like, everyone's doing such a good job. And uh, it's because of that that I think this movie kind of feels like it overstays its welcome. I think this is a very good five-minute Saturday Night Live sketch to watch you know who are the most ill-equipped people to travel through time that's kind of Mm. the joke and i think bill and ted um for better or worse are constructed as relatively two-dimensional characters with like Mm. one very funny but still only one kind of joke about them um and so i yeah i thought it it overstayed it's welcome what do you think of um, that talking about like bill and ted as characters as well that i remember reading like a writing book years ago mm-hmm. and it used this as an example and it was talking about like you you should be able to like all your characters have to be completely unique kind of thing and bill and ted famous like they're interchangeable essentially mm-hmm. you, like any line in the script could be bill or ted's yeah. and it said like if your your characters have to be different and said if bill is short and blonde make ted tall and brunette like and it was like that was the example of how to differentiate your characters and it's funny yeah because it's like in a movie where you know that they are the same character that's um (laughs) sorry sorry purists but they're the same character yeah no uh, that that is interesting i just i don't know like in some ways, it's like, it's the point that they're not your typical protagonists. Mm. But then also, like, I personally don't feel that this movie showed me that in spite of that, it can still be a great, yeah, well, a great movie. I, I, I kind of like the the stuff, because I actually think we rated this the same. I rated it three stars, but it was one of those things where it's like, I didn't really like this, but the two leads are so good in it that yeah. and, I and like, like, like you said, the idea of... Um, 
um, you know, the, to the two most eloquent people, or it's like, yeah, just the idea of like, what if two of these, what if Beavis and Butthead could travel through time? It's like this weird, um, it, it, it's like, it's a good log line for a film or a series. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was fun to, to sort of see that. And then just like, they make the characters so gosh darn likable <laughs> that it's hard to, um, it's hard to really fold it. And I think like, cause I, I, I feel like it is similar in a way to Beavis and Butthead. It's the same sure. kind of, you know, target demographic, um, similar sort of stupid main characters going on Gen adventures. X. Yeah. Gen X. But like Beavis and Butthead is not fun to watch. Like the, <laughs> the thing of, and this was the thing that like, you know, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but that one of the main things I knew about this series is that like everyone was talking about face the music was like, this is the film we need right now <laughs> during the pandemic, mm. because it's just these relentlessly positive dudes. Yeah, and it's I like, agree. and that's, that's carried through the whole thing. Mm. Cause I, yeah. I, I, I sort of thought that it was like, when people say it's the film we need, it's like, people were just happy to have like this nostalgia, but it's like, no, the, the, the whole point of these two guys is that apart from, you know, a handful of words across the um <laughs> across the franchise um are just like these positive wholesome dudes. Yeah. Well, I'll go through. I do agree with everything you've said, and I, but I'll I'll sort of try illustrate why I didn't really like this one. Um, I didn't think that like the stakes aren't necessarily low. Um, but the beat by beat story feels so unexciting and so slow and so average like none of the historical characters they pick up need that much convincing they don't really get into too much trouble the plot itself like feels kind of paper thin and it never really feels like they're in danger when they're time traveling and if they are in danger the unfortunate side effect of having these dimwit surfer dudes like bill and ted as protagonists it means that you don't get to give them any particularly strong emotional reactions to what's going on it's like they're they're gonna get hanged in medieval times and they're just like whoa this blows dude like it's it's not um i don't know it's it's funny to watch when it happens the first time but then as it keeps going i don't know and i listen this this might get like people rolling their eyes and being like it's not the same thing aj but i'm arguing it is the same thing i don't think it's unfair to compare this film to back to the future I don't think that's unfair. Oh, at all. they're not the same, AJ. This one's a phone booth. That's a car. Like both, both are nineteen. 19- to Doctor Who, sure. <laughs> both are nineteen eighties time travel comedies starring at least one slacker male teen as the protagonist. Um, and Back to the Future is what ten times better than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you're comparing apples and oranges. Like I don't think I am, though. I think no, they are. Like they're two very similar things, apples and oranges. <laughs> um, they're both fruit <laughs> for, for starters but one's obviously better but mm. the other one's still good i'm just saying i think i would have i would have loved to have seen some back to the future sized stakes affect bill and ted even if they maintain their their like emotional cardboard emotional like broadband mm. you know like i think yeah. there's still room to have like if you don't if you for you know for the sake of just transposing one movie onto the other if you don't fix the clock tower or, or connect the things at the clock tower we're not going to be able to get the lightning strike and go back and have instead of the characters being like oh doc i gotta do this and doc being like well marty it's i gotta oh, get dude. married <laughs> 
bring that up. That's a different. That's Tim Allen and the Santa Claus. <laughs> but you know, like having Bill and Ted being like, "Whoa, we gotta do this." Like, I think there's still absolutely room to give these characters those size stakes, even if they react in like a characteristically uh, less emotive or less nuanced way. Like, I'd go as far as to say, and this is this is just me. I actually thought this was pretty boring in a lot of places. Wow. It's just kind of repetitive and they repeat like, now we're going to this time period and we got Joan of Arc now. And it's like, oh, okay. We're, like the the entire middle section of the film, which I think is maybe falsely what people remember as the majority of the film, which is them collecting all the different characters, historical figures. That just feels like like it's barely more than a montage. Um and I also thought it took fucking years to end. I was waiting for this movie to be over for so long, and it took so long to to, to finally finish. But yeah, as I said, I think the performance has saved it, although I was surprised at how little George Carlin is even in the movie. Mm. Um, you know, I would have thought he was there the whole time, or at least shows up throughout. Yeah, but- it's funny because... Everyone talks about George Carlin in this film as yeah, exactly. like, you know, this, this incredible thing, but it's it's like I have no attachment to George Carlin. <laughs> I I understand his place in pop culture, but mm. it's I wasn't there for it. Well, because there's all these behind the scenes stuff as well about how like they nearly went for a serious actor, but then they had the genius idea to cast comedian George Carlin. And it's like, is that I don't know, maybe a serious actor would have been better in that role you know yeah it, it's yeah <laughs> who, who knows i mean and like it, it's i don't think the role particularly demands anything you're no, supposed exactly. to just be like holy shit they got george carlin oh my god <laughs> um and uh, yeah i mean I, I don't know like who who's the equivalent today it's like if they got joe rogan <laughs> <laughs> I don't think George Carlin would like would have appreciated that comparison. I think politically I think, they were. Quite... I think if George Carlin was still alive, yeah, he, he would be on the Joe Rogan experience. He would be on. Yeah, he would. <laughs> that's, be. that's probably fair. I think. I think George Carlin would have. And again, I don't know anything about George Carlin. Really, <laughs> um, he. I think he would have. You know, grown into other because he was like. He was a very different comic, I think. He before he like came back with his hair tied back and you know talked about um, which is like with the the, the episode of The Simpsons, I think is like it's based around that where Krusty like reinvents himself right, with his yeah, hair tied yeah, back. Yeah. That it's like yeah, George Carlin actually was a completely different comic, and then came back and said told it like it is. Mm. And if you didn't like it, you could get out of the way. <laughs> and you know who does that in twenty twenty two? I mean, Joe I'll, Rogan. I'll concede that maybe Joe Rogan is like today's person doing that but i think george carlin still had some quite progressive beliefs from what i understand and i think i think that well it's it's interesting because like the idea of political correctness has shifted exactly so in the 80s when george carlin was being a shock jock comedian or the 90s Mm. like because he was saying you know saying gay people deserve rights exactly like was not politically correct it's it's the opposite yeah exactly um so the main storyline I did really like in this movie uh, was that the first, in order to show them how time travel works, Rufus, who's George Carlin's character, um, takes them to, they pick up Napoleon Bonaparte and then just ditch him. <laughs> he gets up stranded in 1989 <laughs> and he gets babysat, babysat, babysitted uh, by Ted's 14 year old brother. 
Um, and uh, there's the scene where the, he's like, they take him to an ice cream parlor and he just like hogs all the ice cream. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but mm. in the original script, Richard, it wasn't going to be Napoleon. What uh, controversial uh, historical figure do you think it might have been instead of Napoleon? Someone who would hog ice cream? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh adolf hitler it was adolf hitler um, <laughs> instead of napoleon the duo's first time traveling exploit would take them back to nazi germany instead <laughs> of wherever they picked up napoleon france i assume waterloo waterloo there you go uh but I speaking don't know if it was in the film but i know he's famously associated with waterloo well that's why he goes to the water park at the end um mm, and the, and he goes to the loo yeah <laughs> Speaking of Germany, though, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is apparently super popular in Germany, um, and its German dub is considered, like, iconic and is an incredibly oh, wow. influential film in Germany. Uh, it is credited for inventing words for the German vocabulary, including <laughs> the word Hoshi, uh, spelt that H-O-S-C-H-I, which means dude, um, and Grunen, Grun... Grunat... Granatin Stark, which means excellent, uh, and famous phrases from the German release include Volekane Hoshi, which means party on, dude, uh, and the German translation of be excellent to each other roughly translates to colourful and excellent is the being. Huh. Which I guess means like the reason the the purpose of life is to be colourful and excellent, maybe. That's how I That's beautiful. That Hmm. I love anytime you are forced to speak another language. Yeah, but God, at least this one's a European one, so I don't sound like I'm <laughs> doing a racist accent when I, mm. <laughs> when I attempt yeah. to. Um, <laughs> we got a little section on our show, Richard, called Dumb IMDb Trivia, not to race Do we? through. I haven't, I haven't heard of this. No, so how Please Dumb IMDb tell Trivia. tell me what it is. Dumb well, IMDb sorry, Trivia. Yeah, tell me. How it works. All right. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This on, is the segment. <laughs> on IMDb, there is a trivia section, as I'm sure anyone who's familiar with movies and IMDb knows. But what they might not know is the section is, of course, full of user-submitted pieces of trivia, meaning a lot of it is very dumb, and we like to make fun of that. So I've got a few pieces for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, in the original script, the time machine was a 1969 Chevy van. The filmmakers thought it was too similar to Back to the Future, so they changed it to a phone booth, apparently unconcerned that Doctor Who uses a police telephone box as a time machine. And I gotta say, I missed what I'm sure is a very popular piece of trivia that is they didn't know about Doctor Who. I always assumed what? it was this weird, like in a film that has has, has no concern parodying British culture, just randomly has a Doctor Who parody as its like well, main plot device. I mean, like, because th- this, this feels like... It, um. Like, it feels like it's from, like, a DVD commentary where they said, oh, you know, in the original script, it was a, um, it was a whatever the car was, um, but they said it was too similar to Back of Future, so we changed it to a phone booth. That's the joke. And then someone goes, um, but actually, Doctor Who uses a a police Mm. box. And, like, missing out on the joke. Because I think that it's, like, if you just make yours a car, it's, like, it's not explicitly a parody of Back to the Future, but you you're just inviting that comparison whereas i think with doctor who making it a phone booth it's like you know it's a it's a parody it becomes a parody and doctor who's something that's okay to parody whereas i feel like back to the future was a bit too close to home right yeah you don't want to 
draw any more comparisons to Back to the Future, which I've already been doing. Yeah. All right. Uh, most of the historical figures uh, Bill and Ted brought back with them uh, would go on to die horrifically. Several, <laughs> including Socrates, Joan of Arc, Billy the Kid, and Abraham Lincoln, were either executed or assassinated. Sigmund Freud died by assisted suicide. Some people believe Napoleon Bonaparte's death under house arrest was the re- result of arsenic poison. Historically, uh, Genghis Khan and Ludwig Beethoven died of natural causes. <laughs> it's also fun that this is our second Genghis Khan franchise in recent mm. memory after Night of the Museum. I'm sure there's a lot of historical characters who show up again. <laughs> uh, at the beginning, oh, at the beginning, Mr. Ryan asks Ted who Joan of Arc was, and Ted replies, "Noah's wife." Uh, in the German dubbed version, he asks who Hannibal was, and Ted replies, "The uncle of football." that's a better joke than Um, and uh, this is one of four productions this is another piece of IMDb trivia this is one of four productions in which Genghis Khan and Abraham Lincoln appear together as characters even though Lincoln was born 582 years after Khan died the others are (laughs) Star Trek The Savage Curtain in 1969 Futurama and Clone High (laughs) it's like you all no, there will be plenty of other things where these two character historical characters. I mean, I just named one, Night of the Museum. Can you remember if Abraham Lincoln's in Night? No, he is. He's the in the um in the second one. They see the Abraham Lincoln statue at the the that place in America. Hmm. <laughs> so there's another example, idiot, of Genghis <laughs> Khan and Abraham Lincoln appearing as characters. <laughs> Nice. Do you have any any final thoughts on Bill and Ted's In excellent adventure? Do you have any of your own dumb IMDb trivia? <laughs> um, no, I think um, I think that you were maybe a bit needlessly harsh on the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and Am I asking you know, it's just too a, much? It's just a fun turn-your-brain-off movie, you know? Mm. Wow. Um, <laughs> Low how the mighty hath fallen. Yeah. No, I, I think that it is, like... There's a definite, I think, mood that you're supposed to be when you watch this, mm. and obviously, you know, it's it's supposed to be assisted uh, that mood. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I I I didn't. I I will say, like, I didn't love it, mm. but I did enjoy it, and I think you know, a film I was middling to positive on, I'm now forced to be the the sort of lone, <laughs> um, you know, defendant of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do think I wasn't maybe as blown away as I was hoping to be as well, because it is a classic. And I, I think I was, you know, expecting to, to really mm. enjoy my, my, my excellent adventure watching the film. Uh, but I think overall as a franchise, it's, different. it's probably slightly different, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's because I can see where it could have been improved, and that's what upsets me about right. it, I guess. <laughs> but hey, look, talking of um, turn your brain off movies that maybe help if they are assisted uh, by some other ways, I think maybe potentially a better example of that uh, would be its sequel, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in 1991. Uh, this was directed by Peter Hewitt, who is not 
uh, technically directed a film on the podcast before, uh, but he is the man behind such memed on uh, modern films as The Borrowers, uh, Thunderpants, um, Garfield the Movie, and controversially, and I hate to do this to you, Richard, uh, Home Alone, <laughs> The Holiday Heist was also directed by Peter Hewitt. Wow. I mean, at least it was a heist movie, so you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's why I didn't enjoy it. Um, what do you think this has on Ron Tomatoes? I, this one would definitely be lower than the, th- the last one. So I reckon like 2,500. <laughs> um, it is 56%. Very, yeah. very low for a film that I think is better than the first one. Uh, what, <laughs> what is this movie about? Um, so this one is like Bill and Ted fucking die <laughs> uh there's like a a there's like an evil guy in the future who sends back these two evil ro- evil robot bill and ted to kill normal bill and ted and then they succeed uh our you know beloved bill and ted get sent to hell and then they meet death who is designed exactly like um from uh the seventh seal the mm-hmm. um uh, Ing- Ingmar Bergman film, yep. which is a weird film to be like. Which Wikipedia says this this film is a partially a spoof of that film. I haven't mm. seen Seventh Seal, but I mean I know the the design of death from it. But it's um yeah, it's a weird film to like expect you to have seen if you're a fan <laughs> of Bill and Ted. <laughs> but yeah, and so they they do the whole like play a game for for your souls thing. They end up going to heaven as well. Uh, they they end up getting back to their um get yeah, to being alive, and then they continue on to write the song which will unite the world mm. and they they end up they become famous at the end by the end of the film as well yeah yep yeah. uh what did you think of this film uh it's good i mean i i thought it was pretty on par with the first one mm. um i know i know that you have a very controversial take about this yeah <laughs> But yeah, no, I I think I I similarly ranked to you. I think I I deliberately I watched these all after you, and I ranked them all the same just for fun. <laughs> was it fun? <laughs> it was fun. But I think it's it, it is one of those things that you often see with uh, like Rotten Tomato scores, where like the sequel might not be better, but if it has a higher score, because it's like you know a new IP starts everyone's reviewing it but then you're only going to review the second one if you liked the first one or at least somewhat Mm. and so i think i had a little bit of that where it's like because because it was a sequel and because i like i was watching the sequel like some sort of sequely things kind of got to me not that i necessarily think it's better than the first one but i don't necessarily think it's the drop off that rotten tomatoes and i think the kind of general public seems to I guess think that this is although like other than like Rotten Tomatoes I haven't really heard much about this being an inferior sequel maybe not I think if anything it it's not uh, I, I would say audiences maybe weren't ready for it is the vibe I get after right. watching it because I but think your kids this, are gonna love it yeah well it's sort of like I think <laughs> this very much flies with young millennial Gen Z culture far more than 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 the Gen X audience um 
I thought, yeah, I thought this one was better, if only because it's fucking weird and surreal mm. and conceptual. It feels like, um, you know, and appropriately so, because it is a Seventh Seal spoof, apparently. Um, it feels like it's embracing the avant-garde old Hollywood movies, um, especially in its set designs. When they go to heaven and it's like these beautiful, like, painted stages and, and backgrounds, it's very old school. Um, and this film just feels like, if the first one's like, it's a time travel comedy this one it's like i don't really know what this one is it's throwing everything Mm. at a wall whether it sticks or not um i thought it was paced slightly better i do think this also drags on a bit Mm. but i didn't mind as much i thought that um william sadler is hilarious as death he plays Mm. um he plays the grim reaper with like a uh, apparently it's a czechoslovakian accent um which you wouldn't hear a lot of any of these days (laughs) william sadler who i i personally know as um hayward from the short-term redemption yeah exactly um and we have seen him we will have seen him in a few things which i'll mention later on um but yeah i i thought he was so funny i love i love the idea of like and a similar thing and um did you watch the grim adventures of billy and mandy fuck yeah dude like the idea of taking this like untarnishable uh mythological terrifying figure such as the grim reaper and making him like grovel and like they beat him in every game that they play against Mm. him and he goes from being like this like very serious character to being like no i won you just didn't see and then should like keep challenging them to to best out of three best out of seven um and oh my god he does it so well it's so funny um and I just, I just really liked him. I really, I th- really thought he, he like, I probably prefer him as like a third protagonist than more than Rufus. I think who does also appear again very briefly in this yeah. film. Um, though I will say it's interesting, isn't it, that this film is not about Bill and Ted have to challenge the grim reaper to a bunch of games to get back to the land of the living i feel like that's so often what people say this movie's about but that's like mm. one scene in an hour and a half movie and not yeah. really what, what it is about uh there's a nightmare sequence um in this film where bill and ted they they've died they go to hell and they enter their own personal hells and i mm. loved this i thought it was mm. so weird they like have to one of them has to face off against the easter bunny one of them has to face off against like their evil grandmother or something it was crazy yeah. crazy experimental stuff and i i really loved it i thought that the it, it includes time travel again which i thought was a bit unnecessary and i think there's probably a better way to kick off the the bogus journey um and when you have death as i said you don't need rufus and i think i like the neatness more of like the first one being the time travel one and the second one being the afterlife one yeah or, 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 i don't know or is it like or yeah because you can either look at it like that or you look at it like it's preserving there being time travel in every film it makes the franchise a time travel franchise instead of just a anything can happen a wacky adventure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um which you know maybe they prefer that uh one thing that i do not like about this movie though it's a small thing is so when uh they are traveling through the afterlife and they go to heaven they ask god to find them the best inventors in the universe so that they can invent two good robot bill and ted's to take out the two evil robot bill and ted's and god them god points them in direction of these two like martians who are done as these like little dwarf 
puppet things like oh yeah station station um and they're, they're these two little creepy little they look they look a lot like critters actually just bigger and though they're, they're supposed to be it's supposed to be like these are the most intelligent scientists in the universe um but yeah their name is station and did you catch why their name was station uh, I don't think I did, no. Because I didn't either, and for the whole oh, movie, <laughs> the whole rest of the movie, I was going, why are they saying station all over the place? It's such a, Is this like some kind of like 1991 slang term that just did not did like stay that stick the test of time? <laughs> um, but the name station was actually a result of a leftover editing typo. According to Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon, the creators of Bill and Ted, they had a cut scene from the script labelled Interior Police Station, but had left the station part dangling, and as they were drunk at the time, found saying Station in a tiny Martian voice was hilarious and the name stuck. And Richard, I think this is a rarely seen example of an inside joke that's not very funny to anyone else it doesn't really make sense uh actually making it into the finished like mainstream project you know mm. like it just feels like it's a joke that i'm not getting and it turns out it is <laughs> <laughs> that is that is crazy I, I i mean i thought it was one of those things that like to me i was just like yeah it just makes sense you know why does it, why does that make sense? I don't know why why would it be any other word? Because station it feels like it's like it's such a specific choice of word and I just, mm. and I was like why this why like I don't know. I feel like I didn't to be honest I didn't anticipate having to explain why I thought it was a weird choice for the character's name. I thought it'd be a given. Yeah. I thought yeah like Cause so, is, so is there an explanation given in the film, or it's just a random one? No, there's no. I don't think so. Right. It's just that mm. they, yeah, they call the names that's named Station. Sweet. Dumb IMDb trivia for Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Uh, at first, the studio executives adamantly said no way to the idea of Bill and Ted dying, <laughs> but the creators and actors were firm, realizing that it was too good an idea not to do. Uh, please keep your fra- your film themed catchphrases out of my objective clinical IMDb trivia, please. <laughs> um, and secondly, uh, similarly to the um, the the piece of trivia from the last film about uh, only four productions to have Genghis Khan and Abraham Lincoln appear together. Uh, apparently, Richard, did you know <laughs> that <laughs> Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is the only movie ever that has ha- that has the Grim Reaper and the Easter Bunny in the same movie? Wow. Did you know that? And no, I cannot think of another example. Yeah, I'm trying. But I'm sure it's not true. Is, is the Grim Reaper in Hop? <laughs> I don't think the Grim Reaper is at hop. Is the Easter Bunny in the Seventh Seal? <laughs> I they maybe they're in like Rise of the Guardians. That feels like it would have both of them. Yeah, let's have a look. Or was the Easter Bunny uh ever in the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy? Yeah, but that's not a movie and it does say movie. I'm yeah, but sure... I'm wondering if that's if that's why they um Right. If that's why they like specified. Right. Is Mr. Bun Bun? And Bunny, um, rise. I'm sure the um, Easter Bunny's been in like Family Guy, right? And that has a Grim Reaper yeah. character. Oh, there's a there's a few. Oh, there's a Rise of the Guardian. Oh, Rise of the Guardians fan fiction wiki. <laughs> yeah, look at me. Grim, 
Grimmy Reaper. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, they, they it holds up. Right. It holds up. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we move on to the third film in the franchise, did you have anything you wanted to say, first of all, about Bogus Journey? Uh, no, I think uh, we've covered it pretty well. Yeah, it, like it's, yeah, it, it, like as far as sequels go, it's pretty good. It yeah. stays true to. The characters we know and love. I, yeah, I can't imagine it dropping almost 50% down from yeah. your experience of the first film. Well, before we move on to uh, the third film, Richard, I'd like you to pull your socks up, tuck in your shirt, and fix your, your cowlicks. <laughs> <laughs> because we're about to take a very mature stroll into Problematic Corner. <laughs> Ooh, I bet this didn't age well Let's get a laugh at someone else's expense I have to warn you, this might get obscene This the problematic corner where nothing PC Okay, so, it's very sad uh, with a franchise like this to have to acknowledge this because I feel like they're such good spirited films. It's just that unfortunately they exist at a time when it was very normal. Um, unfortunately to say some pretty, uh, horrible words. And in both the first two films in both Bill and Ted's excellent adventure and Bill and Ted's bogus journey, um, in in uh what's it called they, they simultaneously both characters simultaneously in chorus, in chorus uh <laughs> say the the other f word the, the f slur and the first one it's after they hug each other so they're like they're like oh my god we're gay because we hug yeah and in the second it's one the, it's the abbreviated version of that word yeah, as well i yeah. think is um and in the yeah. second one it's when the robot is it like the robot bill and ted are like about to kill them yeah, and they say um, something that sounds like they're getting close to them or something, so they they both say it then. Yeah, and then there's another there's another very brief one in the in the second film. It's I think just after they've been shown their own personal house, just before they play the games with death, and there's like an they're in like this they're in a kiln essentially in like a furnace, and as the flames sort of start up, yeah, uh, Ted says you like that you, wow. and um and it was yeah because. I watched I watched Bogus Journey in two parts and I just paused the movie at like a random point and went to bed and then the next day or, or after going out to dinner or whatever, I hit play on the movie and Jess was there and hadn't seen the first part of the movie and it was literally like I hit play and then <laughs> it was that line was immediately the next thing that came on. She was like, did he just say? I was like, yeah. Yeah, we don't talk about yeah. it. Um, <laughs> so interestingly enough, a content warning is now attached to re-releases of the first two films because of these slurs. Uh, and both Reeves and Winter have addressed it in a very interesting case of like the problematic corner actually being addressed by people involved um mm. they both said they are in support of the uh, content warning that's been put on the movies um while being interviewed on commode and mayo's film review alex winter stated in terms of the caveat that would only refer to the homophobic slurs that we both that, that we had in both of the first two movies were which were extremely common but totally disparaging and not appropriate term terminology back then other than that the first two movies the first movies are extremely 
extremely wholesome. I think the third one, which was just coming out, um, stays in line with that whole vibe. I would hardly look at the first two movies as being radical offensive films other than that, with no one else, um, which no one was happy about, and we certainly didn't intend to repeat. Um, Keanu Reeves agreed, stating, I guess it's a product that's going out into the world. I guess it's kind of reflecting some of the content and letting somebody who's watching the film know exactly that so they're not taken by surprise or taken by surprise by it. Um, So it's good of them to both sort of acknowledge it and bless the the content warnings because I feel like... Uh, certain folks probably get pretty pissed off about content warnings. Yeah, you're George Carlin. <laughs> uh, it's worth noting as well that Alex Winter previously, uh, previously in 2020, um, before this interview, uh, came out in support of trans rights and Black Lives Matter. He was asked on Twitter for his thoughts of uh, Billy's Preston being a trans icon, which I'm not completely familiar with that <laughs> with that uh movement um but and he tweeted back like the there's like a black lives matter specific trans flag and he just responded with that and uh not that it's at all the same thing but for the record uh very recently both actors have come out and made fun of nfts so <laughs> they, they both seem like real good guys and i think it's really yeah. cool that that like they have a responsibility with something like this to actually address that well yeah it's uh, yeah and, and it is good that like you uh, yeah like these these two guys who played characters who are famously uh misguided but good guys mm. and to yeah sort of be able to acknowledge that uh, yeah like this this is what um you know misguided but but well-meaning looked like in different times and it's like yeah the the, the it was it was wrong then, but it was due to a lack of education. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Any more thoughts on Problematic Corner? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. I like it. Like it, they are surprisingly unproblematic apart from that. I think for, for a movie where they like abduct two women from their time and, marry them it's treated very very um tastefully (laughs) it comes across as as very wholesome um cool well some of the stuff was potentially made up for with um two uh characters added to the third film which is of course uh bill and ted face the music released in 2020 in the midst in the grips of the coronavirus pandemic remember that thing that's definitely not uh, still happening at the time of recording um this mm. film was directed by dean parasot who uh nothing really too fun in his filmography in terms of well i say nothing we can make fun of in his, in his filmography right um although i do have like if we wanted to talk about making fun of uh director's filmography mm. uh i'm sure you might you might have seen in your travels that Alex Winter doesn't really act much, but he's moved to directing. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you seen any of the movies he directed? Or Tell me what those were. Uh, he directed no. the Smosh movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun. 
Uh, Dean <laughs> Parasite, you would have you would have thought he would try to land the Bill and Ted face the music gig, um, but instead mm. it got went to Dan Parasot, who uh, director of Galaxy Quest, which I think is very telling and very similar oh. in a way to this film. Um, yeah, damn, he, he hasn't done much. I, I did fun with Dick and Jane. Fun with Dick and Jane. He did Red Two as well. I'm not sure if Red mm. Two is considered good or bad. What- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What do you think this has on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, I would say it would be up in the 80s. It is 82%, Richard, which makes it an extraordinarily rare case of a legacy sequel having a higher Rotten Tomato score well, the highest Rotten Tomatoes score in the franchise, it yeah. beats uh, Excellent Adventure by 1%, um, which I think says a lot about what this movie did for people and what kind of movie it is. Uh, mm. Can you tell us what it's about? Uh, all right. So Bill and Ted Face the Music is about, it's now 2020, um, mm-hmm. coronavirus, nowhere to be seen. <laughs> But I, 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 fucking, <laughs> I, I loved the setup of this film that it's like, because we see them become rich and famous at the end of Bogus Journey. And it's like, you know, it, it's it's Bogus Journey ends with like next step, the prophesized song. And then this one is like, and and the delays like that, because this film was written in like 2010. Yeah. Um, but coming out so much later just makes it funnier um because they've still not written that song um and they're they're like they're washed up and their careers down the drain their their marriages are going down the drain and yeah it's it's a very funny thing to be like yeah no we still haven't written written the song so there's there's they there's this ticking clock is introduced rufus's daughter played by played obviously by christian shawl comes uh, into the picture and says you've got until you've got the length of the film to write this song um and then so they go they decide oh well we'll go we'll travel to the future to find when we've already written it and we can just steal the song from ourselves <laughs> um again like a great a great setup for a film but they've also got to do they've got a daughter each um and they named their daughters like ted named his daughter uh billy and bill named his daughter ted and um which is again fun and they sort of get wind of what's happening and they think oh we need to help um our dads write this song and uh so they they travel back in time recruiting musicians and so they go back to Jimi hendrix and then they have to keep recruiting people that each of them were influenced by so they go uh hendrix and then so they have to recruit louis armstrong who has to recruit uh mozart who has to uh recruit ling lun who's essentially the founder of music in china and then (laughs) she's influenced by grom who's a drummer from prehistoric times uh which is a good joke and then kid Kid cuddy shows up as well (laughs) yeah so it's like all these like greats and then kid cuddy (laughs) 
Yeah, well, Kid Cudi is great. Well, Kid <laughs> Cudi, who, who may or may not be a returning character to yeah, the franchise. we will get to that. <laughs> but yeah, so that's their sort of subplot. But yeah, the mean and. And the, the, the sort of A plot of the film was Bill and Ted, they keep traveling to these further and further futures to find one where they've finally written the song. So they they get, uh, it's, it's a very um, Christmas Carol kind of thing where they, the, the ghost of Christmas mm. future where they keep saying and they realize that their wives have left them because they've been paying enough attention to them. But um, yeah, uh, they end up in hell again with their, uh, with their daughters and they <laughs> settle settle their difference with death uh who returns in this film and they realize that the song was never actually written by them it was only to be performed by them and um it was their daughters that were supposed to write it and to repair the universe it has to be performed by every person in history all across time and so that's what it really means by uniting um mm. the universe um and then everything's just done it uh, the film ends <laughs> <laughs> yep um so what did you think of this movie oh this is the film we need right now <laughs> it is a very wholesome film it's a very fun film uh yeah I, I, yeah I, I liked it it's yeah i liked it a lot too i think this is my favorite bill and ted movie um and maybe yeah. that's to do with how old i am and when it came out um but i yeah. thought i thought it was hilarious first of all i I was yeah. laughing so much at this movie um and mm. i thought uh it was more focused and it's storytelling i thought the finale where every single person across time and space plays the same song was so fucking cathartic and so <laughs> yeah. Such a, yeah. such a it's so fun and such a great way to take the story um and it's almost hard to believe the series wasn't always building to this ending mm. you know because it feels so intentional um i think the returning cast is cool but the background cast is amazing especially samara weaving uh bridget lundy payne who play billy and thea the two daughters um as Incredible. well as our uh, anthony carrigan um who people so might good. know from uh barry um he, who is, who's he playing barry he plays no ho hank no ho hank so he's a android that's sent by the future to kill bill and ted because a lot of the sort of fellowship in the future believe that the prophecy being fulfilled is actually referring to the death of bill and ted um and, and anthony carrigan plays this android uh who sort of midway through the film realizes like develops like humanity and uh, yeah. god it's so fucking funny <laughs> it's so fun he randomly like this is almost like station and that it feels unprovoked and i don't quite get where it's yeah. coming from but it's way funnier than station where he's like he just suddenly says, my name is Dennis. My name, that is, his, what is the full name? His name is Dennis like, Caleb McCoy. Dennis Caleb McCoy. And he keeps, he keeps trying to like get in on like the moments with everyone. Like someone will have a moment and he'll be there. There's a part where they, they first get to hell and, and Bill and Ted are like, dude, it's going to, this is so freaky. Where are we going to find our daughters? And then Dennis Caleb McCoy wanders up and goes, yeah, dudes, this is so freaky. Where are we going to find your daughters? And he sort of like <laughs> glances at Bill and it's a glance of like, like when you make a joke and you're checking to see if someone thinks your joke is funny. Um, it's like this approval, <laughs> like, like search for approval. It's all done. He's covered in makeup. So I, you can't even tell it's, it's Anthony Carrigan. Mm. It's all done in the eyes. And it's the, probably the funniest joke in the movie. I, th I thought he just <laughs> yeah. fucking rocked it. He's so fucking funny in this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Anthony Carrigan is incredible. And it's, it's funny. You talk about like his eye acting there that like, 
uh, you I've seen interviews with Bill Hader where he talks about Anthony Carrigan getting cast, and mm. he said, and Anthony Carrigan, Carrigan talks about it. so and. In Barry, he plays this this uh, no ho Hank, but he's got this this accent, um, like kind of a silly accent. And mm. he came to the audition, and he got in the script at the last minute, and sort of said, "Hey, I'm going to do this accent, but I haven't had a chance to work on it yet because I only just got the script. But can you like imagine this with an accent, and then I'll be able to do it, kind of thing, which is like a bold move, and you know you'd be just." you know shown the door normally what they're like but russian or turkish or something and yeah yeah um and but apparently like and, and Bar- uh bill hader said uh it was like he, he, he just his listening was incredible and like you know acting is reacting and and mm. you have a lot of actors especially in an audition where you're just waiting for your next line but he said that like he is so good at listening in character that's what got on the job right that's awesome well, I mean, that mm. shows in this as well. He's he's probably the highlight of the film. Um, mm. And I also think with Billy and Thea, um, I said before that, like, maybe the problematic stuff was, was intended to be made up for. Part of that, I don't know if it was, that was the reason behind it, but Billy and Thea are presented not necessarily non-binary, but uh, genderless. Um, Bridget Lundy Payne actually is non-binary in real life, and I think that that like influenced the the costumes and the presentation of the characters, who are um, these these two daughters who sound exactly like Bill and Ted, but are often exhibiting like an, a, a deep knowledge of music and history and and mm. that kind of thing. And I thought that was such a great idea to show you can be very intelligent and still have. 80s slacker mannerisms um so i thought i thought that was really cool and they're really great characters yeah they they were definitely one of the ones one of the things that it's like what again what i'd like heard about this film was that those two were great Mm. and and they were and it's uh, yeah they're they're fantastic but it is interesting you mentioned just briefly that like the problematic stuff and it's like do you think that there was a draft of the script that had that word we mentioned in problematic corner in it mm-hmm. because th- it feels like there has to <laughs> has to have been in one draft well it's just it's um, a recurring because, joke. because of how it's used in the two films yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like it, it is yeah or it's it's like did it did it need some like actual on-screen acknowledgement of them learning <laughs> not to use that or something Maybe. like that yeah yeah because because like, like bill and ted bill and ted learn um learn compassion via like a short film yeah. that you'd release in between <laughs> before yeah. face the music well, like, um, well, or, or, or like a moment and, and this was actually like what i was thinking while i was watching it that like this actually could have done with um a moment where like they hug and then like sort of look at each other you know because it's, it's the kind of like no homo sort of thing yeah yeah and then but then sort of like hug and then break away from it and then be like nah and then and then hug again I love you, Bill. I love you, Ted. You know, yeah. That would have and, been the, and then, yeah. and then, like, it, it, and then that sort of you show that they've had this realization to, uh, you know, actually express their um, their their platonic love for each other. Mm. Because also, talk to funniest parts of the film. My favorite part of the film was so right, right right at the start of the film. They're in couples counseling together, mm-hmm. but Bill and Ted have both brought their their uh, their wives and it's just like one of these things that you I, you you worry that Keanu especially isn't going to be able to play the character again and mm. then their talent the the um Jillian Bell plays the therapist and she's telling them like 
you know, tell tell your wife that that you love them, and so and so um, Ted kind of is like, we love you both, and then they're like, all right, no, like, and you say it again, like, okay, we, and he keeps on saying we, which is the problem. So she's like, okay, try using an I in that sentence, and he's like, I. And Bill, <laughs> and it's like his delivery of it, and and the timing is impeccable. Yeah, and that was that was for me was when it was like, okay, he he's still got it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he can still deliver this kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah which, which which is fun. Um, and you look, I know it's maybe not the general consensus. Like my opinion of the each film isn't the general consensus, but I feel like this is the ideal quality progression for a trilogy. Um, you know, yeah. maybe maybe you don't want to wait twenty nine years between two and three, but in this case, I think it enhances the film, and I think it's very oh, funny yeah. that Bill and Ted never made the song <laughs> in twenty nine years. Um, however, it is notable as you sort of indicated before, twenty nine years was not always the plan um and while there were surprisingly no immediate plans for a third film in the 90s uh pre-production on bill and ted returning can be traced back to 2005 at the earliest where after a freshly matrixed keanu reeves responded positively to the idea of reprising his role as ted during a red carpet interview which prompted ed solomon and chris matheson to begin conceptualizing an idea completing a first draft in 2011 which sounds like it was surprisingly identical to what we'd eventually get uh, nine years later um, with Dan Parasot uh, attached as director as early as 2012. The the reason it took so long is because studios didn't believe it would appeal to modern audiences as Bill and Ted had almost faded into obscurity by that point. Um, this mm. launched Solomon and Matheson as well as Reeves and Winter into a grassroots marketing campaign in 2014 to try and drum up support with Solomon pointing out in a 2018 interview that the fact that they had written the script before they'd even secured funding proved that they were doing it because they loved the characters and not because they were trying to bank on them not because they were you know trying to make easy money um which i think is a really good point um uh it is believed by many that the success of john wick in 2014 is responsible for finally getting the green light for bill and ted face the music um as it put keanu reeves back into the spotlight after a series of post matrix flops uh, in the previous decade uh though alex winter who'd basically disappeared from in front of the camera but was directing smosh the movie from behind it <laughs> um he'd you know he'd basically stop act stopped acting mostly after bogus journey uh he insists that the film finally got made because of the the overwhelming pressure from fans um yeah, nice <laughs> so yeah i mean that's it's it's a success story in a lot of ways and like I think it's it's I'm glad we didn't cover this series until now until we could cover mm. the third one in it. Um for sure. I also loved the the credit sequence which uh was like a social media campaign I think started by Alex Winter where you would get the piece of music that everyone's playing at the end and you'd film yourself playing along to it and so the credits is all like the you know very clearly real people playing mm. along to this um core progression uh including Weird Al Yankovic of 
uh, of all people, um, playing on the accordion. Mm-hmm. Such a happy ending to the movie. Such a fun time. Um, and I well, that, and such you know the f- feeling of togetherness mm, that came out in a time where we couldn't be together. Yeah, and I think that that uh, that's what bumped it up from like three and a half to four stars for me. I think was that ending. I thought mm. it was such a good ending. I do have uh, two pieces of dumb IMDb trivia though to to sour the good mood. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is in the cameo section on IMDb Trivia. Uh, it says, Dave Grohl, the guy who asks Bill and Ted who they are and what they're doing in his house, is played by lead vocalist and guitarist of Foo Fighters and former drummer of Nirvana, whose breakthrough album Nevermind was released just two months after Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Like, I don't know. It feels like it doesn't think I know who Dave Grohl is with the film. Yeah. It's very is. clear about who Dave Grohl is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it is fascinating, though, that, like, I mean, obviously Nirvana were a thing before Nevermind came out, but yeah, like I said, that was their breakthrough album. But it was mm. like, it's like that Dave Grohl's entire career happened between. <laughs> bill and ted two and three yeah sure that's true <laughs> um and secondly uh this is the second dumb piece of imdb trivia there are some unconfirmed theories that kid C- kid cuddy is the new incarnation of station who appeared in bill and ted's bogus journey for example he shows a good understanding of time travel and how the infinite time travel works in theory also in one scene kid cuddy yells out station and bill and ted at bill and ted which may be a hint that he was station the entire time and it's i don't know just writing that ambiguously when it's like almost directly implied that that is what it is yeah (laughs) um so i would like to talk a little bit about keanu reeves it is that time of year it is the season keanu (laughs) year um of course and i want to know just sort of generally what do you think of his acting i know like there was a time when i would have very comfortably said keanu reeves is not a very good actor um but like he's certainly had a a renaissance a renaissance sorry um and since uh john wick um and i think this film is definitely enveloped in that in some way i think it's definitely notable to see him play ted in the first two movies and then define as we said before define his career by these these quite serious roles and then return to play ted again in his 50s what are your thoughts on all of that um yeah it's interesting and and yeah the it it is it is really strange seeing what like first of all i I should say as well like hated seeing modern keanu without a beard (laughs) does not look right but people uh, are always saying that keanu reeves doesn't age dude alex winter doesn't age he looks almost exactly the same (laughs) as as bill from the 90s (laughs) yeah but um yeah like I, i um yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Keanu as much as the next guy, mm-hmm. but um, like, more than anything, he seems like a fucking lovely guy, mm. and he makes fun of NFTs, which is fun. But yeah, I mean, like as far as his acting goes, I think watching this, it's like you see, okay, why why is Keanu a thing? Because you know, it's not his performance in Bram Stoker's mm. Dracula or anything like that. It's like okay, he had like incredible comedic talent back in the day and then the matrix proved that and and like like you said especially with john wick Mm. it's like damn this dude like puts in the hard yards to nail fucking action choreography yeah 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 like he's he's very believable as an action star it is funny though 
watching this and the matrix back to back that like <laughs> if you were to like do a Keanu Reeves voice and be like what film is I know Kung Fu from it's like it's obviously from Bill and Ted but no that's like one of the real serious moments in the Matrix <laughs> yeah I think I didn't think he was um I thought uh Bill Alex Winter did maybe a better job of like finding the character again I think Keanu is is it's not that he doesn't do a good job as returning as Ted, but I think the voice isn't quite right, but I think it's down to the age as opposed mm. to anything else. And he's just naturally got a deeper voice now. Um, but what he does still have is the movement, like the body language of Bill and Ted, which we haven't really talked about. And I think is one of the like understated selling points of this IP of this franchise is because they, they kind of move when they move like, to face each other they'll like they won't look like and turn their neck they'll like move their whole body and kind of hover there for a um, it's very hard to explain <laughs> but my point yeah. is that they're still doing that even 29 years later they've like mm. kept that understanding of the the body language of their character and i thought that was that was fun and more it impressed me more than if he just was able to do the voice again <laughs> do the voice <laughs> um but Richard, this of course uh, can take us through into um, segued into useless statistics, uh, where I'm going to tell you a bunch of fun little idiosyncrasies about other films we've watched for this podcast and this franchise and all that sort of thing. Um, so, face the music, of course, marks our seventh Keanu Reeves film franchise um, for film franchise fortnights after the four Matrix films and the bill and ted trilogy and um, though we have seen him show up twice in episodes of film franchise follow-ups our patreon show do you remember what those are uh he's in uh toy story 4 and spongebob 3 spongebob 3 sponge on the run correct mm-hmm. uh bill and ted face the music is our seventh uh kristen Schaal franchise who we all who we most recently commented on her constantly appearing in film franchises on mm-hmm. our cloudy with a chance of meatballs episode which appears in cloudy with a chance Bo- a chance of meatballs 2 um all of her appearances on our podcast have been in sequels as well uh though i am counting toy story 3 and 4 and the muppets 2011 mm-hmm. which is it's it's like it's a franchise film. I wouldn't necessarily call it a sequel. It's more of a revival, I guess. Right. Um, but the other sequels we've seen her in are Shrek Forever After, Get Him to the Greek, and she also appears in uh, Despicable Me Too, which we have yet to cover. It is still <laughs> relevant that this is a an actress who is in a lot of franchise films, particularly a lot of franchise films with like kind of unconventional sequels or distant sequels it's like with like something like toy story 3 of course she's not in toy story 2 she wasn't famous then of course she's not in the muppets movies before (laughs) muppets 2011 she wasn't famous then of course she's not in bill and ted uh, bill and ted's bogus journey she wasn't famous then you know it's like the modern actress you put in your legacy franchise in a lot of ways Mm apparently for uh, face the music volunteered face the music is our fourth alex winter franchise as letterbox tells me he's of you know he's in the he's in the bill and ted movies but he's apparently somewhere in scary movie three uh but when you okay. google alex winter and scary movie three nothing comes up so i don't know who he plays in scary movie three weird okay uh w- this is william sadler's third franchise for the podcast after playing the president in iron man three and and appearing somewhere in Machete Kills. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, Joss Ackland, who plays that villain from the future in Bogus Journey, makes his fourth appearance on the podcast after the Mighty Tu the Mighty Ducks, D2, the Mighty Ducks, and Lethal Weapon. He's in all of them. He apparently hated being in Bogus Journey and only spoke horrible things about it for the rest of his career. Um, this is also our fifth Holland Taylor franchise. She plays the great leader in Face the Music, um, and she has pretty much uh, played the same domineering matriarchal character her whole career uh, in franchises like George of the Jungle, Spy Kids, Legally Blonde, and Romancing the Stone slash Jewel of the Nile. Um and in what I was quite surprised by, this is only our second Dave Grohl cameo after the Muppets. I would have guessed Dave Grohl is ca- just a cameo guy. I would have just expected <laughs> to see him in more things by now. Yeah. Um, and finally, and what I think is maybe our most fun, useless statistic in a long time, this is, I think, and more than happy to be corrected on this by either you or people in the Discord, I think this is our 15th franchise to include at least one film that features time travel. Right. And by that I mean explicitly traveling through time in the fictional world of the story and not like crossing dimensions or visions from a past life or pausing time or anything like that. And obviously, I feel like I have to say this, uh, I'm not counting prequels or reboots or obviously that doesn't count as time travel um i'm also i'm not counting like any wonderful lifing uh, but i am counting groundhog daying and christmas caroling as time travel <laughs> so with that in mind the previous 14 time travel franchises that i'm sure of include evil dead back to the future teenage mutant ninja turtles x-men austin powers the marvel cinematic universe spy kids happy death day terminator Yu-Gi-Oh, <laughs> the, the muppets barbie planet of the apes and jumanji uh, and i'm not sure i feel like godzilla maybe has time travel in it but i can't remember yeah. a specific example um and i think you could maybe interpret some of the things that happen in the evangelion movies and the phantasm movies as being time travel but again i didn't i wasn't concrete on that yeah so did you have did you have the mcu on there yes yeah and um, there's also a franchise we've covered uh that has a future entry coming out which sounds like it'll involve time travel uh but i won't include that here because we haven't seen it and it comes from leaks and i don't want to spoil it but we did spoil market on the episode so you might know what we're talking about if you can figure that out huh you don't know? No. no it's a... Uh... Oh, yes, yes, yes. All right. I thought that was fun. I went through all the movies and checked, and let me know oh, if I've missed any. <laughs> Richard, <laughs> we talk about titles. If we talk about anything a lot on this podcast, it's titles. And Bill and Ted uh, gives me a lot of... Um, cud to chew and <laughs> cuddy to chew when it comes to titles and um, before we get into it though the original title for bill and ted's excellent adventure was bill and ted's time van uh, which i don't think is a very good title uh, but the original title for bogus journey was quite famously uh, bill and ted go to hell uh, and i say quite famously because the like the song that was recorded by some band for Megadeth. yeah yeah it was called 
go to hell or was about going to hell and like a lot of the a lot of the kind of pre-production marketing was based around going to hell it was changed because americans get offended by hell and alex winter also pointed out that they're only in hell for five minutes it would be like calling the first one bill and ted go to circle k which is the mall <laughs> um which i don't necessarily disagree with i think bill and ted go to go to hell is an interesting idea but i do like that it's that the first two are bill and ted's adjective word for adventure um which yeah. is why bill and ted face the music gives me such cud to chew because it makes sense the song that they eventually call create is called face the music it's literally about characters facing the music in a metaphorical sense but i'm so gutted that it breaks the pattern um and i feel like it could have been worse i feel like this movie could have been called bill and ted three <laughs> you know like i would i remember when early conversations about it were mm. happening that was thrown around i think i would have gone with bill and ted's most triumphant return oh, yeah, nice. uh, but maybe it's stylized so that uh not is written after most like in handwriting so bill and ted's most not triumphant return or something like that right. um yeah. just because that's you know you're you've got so many words that they say in these movies excellent bogus most triumphant non 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 heinous in the first two as well <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad they didn't call it that <laughs> what do you think do you think am i being too no no i i, I agree like it, it is a weird like because also the the first two titles are like possessive mm. it's like bill and ted's yeah exactly Mm. yeah and i just think you miss and like triumphant return is a phrase you know mm. and it is them returning and it's about them returning uh yeah i don't know it just kind of kind of breaks my heart a little that they didn't go with that but i also it's like face the music is a good title if the others were called bill and ted go to hell and bill and ted lost get lost in time you know like then yeah. it is a good title but yeah mm. interesting again interesting to hear what people think of that but now we're going to move on to a new segment, uh, st still relatively new, I think we can say that, for our show called Meeting of the Elders. And the way this segment works is that if you uh, join our cult elders tier on patreon patreon.com slash cult then you get to comment on the franchise of the Fortnite, and we'll read out some of your thoughts and comments so i asked the cult elders on discord that's where you go you get a link to it well you go to the discord and you'll get added to a secret channel um and so i asked everybody what are their thoughts on bill and ted um pre from michigan says haven't seen them just here to be heard there you go bill uh bill i called him bill that was weird there you go pre from michigan um <laughs> there you go um uh, my brother nick he commented and said i've seen the first first one and thought it was pretty hilarious in places didn't age well in other areas from memory there's a particularly nasty gay slur used in the film uh correct um and then we talked about how it was you know twice in the second film dimitri and a comment i've been thinking about all week knowing my <laughs> what i thought of the first film he says um i saw the first two in high school when i was about 14 or 15 and naturally loved them since then they've kind of become a test if you haven't seen bill and ted's i show it to you and if you don't like it you're lame oh 
<laughs> I was expecting nothing out of the third one as sequels that much later and uh, practically never good. I thought it was all right when I finally watched it. Face the Music definitely had its moments, but story-wise, it felt like they were grasping for anything they could justify its existence, so they ended up repconning the end of Bogus Journey and ruining what I always thought was a good ending. I think a better movie could have been showing us the utopian society realized and the villain from the second or someone else with a grudge against them is trying to undo what they've done. Look, I, I respectfully disagree, Dimitri. I think it's mm. in this case, it's very funny that the characters haven't achieved the thing they almost <laughs> was like a sure bet. Like it was a slam dunk, you know? They had it in the bag. I think it's very uh organic to the characters of Bill and Ted that they wouldn't do that. Um and I think this is a great idea for a for a third film. And I again I think it's the um the best one. Yeah, I, I think as well that it's like it's it's a fun way to make them to bring them back to their roots of being losers. Mm, yeah. Like I don't think I would have liked to see a third film where they're the biggest rock stars in the world. Yeah, agreed. Um, Scott, you're an inanimate object door says, uh, I don't really have any hot takes on either of the first two. I just knew I had seen them when I was pretty young. And then for the next 15 or so years, they were never mentioned again to the point where I wouldn't be sure if I'd actually seen them or if they were just random stories that I had dreamed up myself. So when they <laughs> announced the third one, I figured this was the studios really scraping the bottle of the bottom of the barrel for known IPs. However, despite being a cynical money grab remake, the third, which it actually wasn't as we discussed um the third one was exactly the movie we needed in 2020 for it was easily one of the worst years for theater industry and the world as a whole so have this film get get a cinema release and having the premise being so simple simply about loving each other and being kind was so truly heartwarming plus i like kid cuddy and uh yeah i agree i think we've we've echoed a lot of your thoughts in the in the episode scott um, and lastly, uh, Dan in Hawaii says, I was watching Bogus Journey tonight and decided to screenshot the battleship board of Bill and Ted's side. So this is when they're playing death and they play him in battleship. And he says, it's hard to make out, but I find it funny that they were one hit away from losing on their first game, which is like it. a great, like art, you know, thank you art director of Bill yeah, and yeah. Ted for, for that joke. <laughs> huh. Yeah. All right. Meeting adjourned. And on to not our final segment of the show, but the final fun segment of the show. (laughs) (laughs) It is continue the franchise. So this is where we pitch a sequel or continuation of the franchise in some way. But before we do that, it is worth noting a few other actual continuations that have happened or are maybe going to happen. Um, So during the early 90s, when it would have made sense to capitalize on Bill and Ted, there were two Mm. separate TV shows, uh, both called Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, the first being what you'd probably expect in the 90s it was an animated series which saw the duo and Rufus time travelling uh, to different moments in history it ran for 21 episodes across two seasons from 1990 to 1991 and it sounds actually pretty similar to the Back to the Future animated series that we slaved <laughs> through um, it also interestingly featured Reeves, Winter and Carlin reprising their roles as in the voice cast mm. for the first season but they were replaced when the cartoon shift in networks in the second season with Bill and Ted now being played by Evan Richards and Christopher Kennedy and 
Rick Overton as Rufus. Remember those names, Richard. Boy, uh, because the second and far less obvious <laughs> Bill and Ted, the Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures show, was an even shorter-lived live-action series, uh, which aired in 1992 for a measly seven episodes <laughs> and also featured uh, Time Travel as the main plot device. None of the cast from the movie reprised their roles, but interestingly, Bill, Ted, and Rufus were played by Evan Richards, Christopher Kennedy, and Rick Overton. Uh, mm-hmm. respectively reprising their roles from the second season of the animated series which could in theory suggest that this live action series is more of a third season of the cartoon mm, like one of the o- yeah, yeah like one of the only examples in history of like a, a season being a different medium to another well like yeah 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 made by the same people in as well like so it's you oh. know that's basically what it was um, outside of the sh- these shows, Bill and Ted have also shown up in various video games, comic books, a musical, a breakfast serial, uh, and William Sadler would also reprise his role as Death in a 1994 Tales from the Crypt episode named The Assassin, making this our second franchise in less than six months to have a Tales of the Crypt connection after From Dusk Till Dawn, which was, of course, I think originally conceived as a Tales from the Crypt movie um, before it became what it was. Regarding a fourth movie in the series, both Reeves and Winter have said that a fourth film would be up to the fans, and when asked in an interview with Discussing Film in August 2020 if the characters of Billy and Thea could result in a sequel or spin-off film, uh, writer Ed Solomon stated, It wasn't when we we were first writing it, but as we saw Bridget and Samara inhabit these roles, I thought for sure if there was interest and people wanted to carry this forward, the Bill and Ted spirit, I would absolutely let those characters carry it forward i think we've finished with the alex and keanu bill and ted story i think it's done but if people are interested in a billy and thea continuation i think it'd be cool and yeah this seems the obvious route to me i could Mm. see uh billy and thea's excellent adventure making its way to cinemas in a few years um i'd love if it wasn't just another time travel story because i think there are plenty of options to explore um i'd love to see billy and thea go to space or even dabble in other mythologies or something it seems like a world where anything is possible so why not have them run into frankenstein or wind up in a haunted house or something i guess um but alternatively richard (laughs) i'd want bill and ted to return uh, only to discover that becoming infinite cosmic beings as they do at the end of, of face the music has actually torn open a dimensional rip and the characters from other orion pictures movies are slipping through such as Hannibal Lecter, Terminator, The Addams Family, Chucky, Brian from The Life of Brian, Robocop, Mac from Mac and Me, Cadillac Man, Cheech and Chong, uh, Weird Al Yankovic from the film UHF, and Hannah and Her Sisters. Uh, And they must be sent back to their own universes before before existence as we know it falls apart in Bill and Ted No Way Home. nice um <laughs> do you know what um so how are we doing this podcast we're now in what our seventh year of it yep and it's finally happened what we independently came up with the exact same <laughs> continue the franchise oh no <laughs> what do you did you come up with no way home uh no i didn't but um, oh that's where it started <laughs> Oh, funny! No, no. So I, I actually um, cause, that, that cause was the germ I, of the idea, I, and I worked. Backwards. I thought of the um, the idea of like a multiverse, and then I, I actually was like basing it off like channel chasers, 
um, the the fairly old parents special, right? And because I and then I thought the idea of like, oh, you do like a because because I was originally going to pitch like, oh, like a multiverse thing, like No Way Home, um, seeing you know different versions of of these characters, but then we kind of see that in Face the Music, and then mm-hmm. so I thought, okay, well then it'll be oh, with different IPs, and then I thought, well, you know, Orion. Uh, you would have the rights to all of them. So <laughs> it's funny. You even did Orion. It wasn't just like, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh no. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, I... that's great. It's it's it's, it's happened. Did I mean, you, you like? You, you delivered it better than I did. <laughs> Do you like my selection of characters? I did. Ending I did. With... I, ha- I had Weird Al Yankovic and from UHF as well. Oh, yeah. That was that was before, from the top of my head. That was the only Orion film I could name. Is it because of the um, joke that I told you about when we covered mm-hmm. Robocop? <laughs> If you want to see one of the funniest things I think I've ever seen, watch, this is very specific, and I've shouted <laughs> this out before, watch the the Weird Al director commentary for the film UHF, which starts with the Orion Pictures logo, and Weird Al singing along to the jingle where he goes, Orion, Orion is bankrupt now, <laughs> which is, <laughs> I think, extremely funny, but Hey, Orion's back. They came back from bankruptcy. So good on them. (laughs) That's so funny. We came up with the same idea. All right. Now for the worst segment of the show, Richard, where we rank debt franchise. And we're over here on our letterboxed account, uh, the Cop Option letterboxed account, where we have a list of all the franchises we've ever covered. I'm adding Bill and Ted to the list. And we're going to talk about where it sits so, do you have any first thoughts? I think we're probably safely above the Nymphomaniac constant, which mm-hmm. is what we refer to as our perfect zero. I didn't hate I'm gonna any of these. Say between so. Blade and the Love Bug. Where is that? What number is that? 56, it would be. 50, 50, 55, it would be. Oh, between Blade and the Love Bug. So, you think Blade is better than Bill and Ted's? No. Better than Blade. <laughs> Not Better as good as Frozen. You don't think it's as good as Frozen? Nah, for the first Frozen's so I, I fucking get... good, man. <laughs> but like the the net worth of a, of the Frozen franchise, like, is kind of undone by by the second one, isn't it? Wouldn't I? Oh, would... yeah. Well, it's certainly not as good as National Treasure. Yeah. All right, I'm putting it between Frozen and National Treasure. <laughs> okay. Um, and in, I I wanted to ask you your opinion on this, and I have a sneaking suspicion you want the segment to be over and and won't answer the question honestly. Um, as <laughs> <laughs> we usually give our gold stars to our gold star franchises, which indicate a franchise in which uh, there are no weak links, basically. Um, so previous examples include, um kung fu panda or the raid or toy story or night at the museum it doesn't necessarily indicate how good the franchise is as a whole just that there's none which would be considered by us or the general public to be the worst one or the better one and while bill and ted's bogus journey does have like a pretty pitiful score i feel like i don't know i feel like giving this a gold star what do you think uh, I whatever the answer I can give that will respond in this being over the quickest, mm. that's my answer. <laughs> Do you want me to agree with? I feel like if I agree with you, then we because because if I argue, then uh, then we have to <laughs> elongate our time here. <laughs> um, 
What? what gen, genu, I just genuinely want to know what you think. <laughs> Do you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I actually, I, other than the Ron Tomatoes score, I don't know enough about the general consensus around Bogus Journey. Right. So, no, we don't? No, give it one. Okay, now i got to figure out how to do that. All right, well, we can do that after. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In your own time, please, Ajo. Okay, and that brings <laughs> us to the end of the show. We're going to do the franchise roulette in just a second, which will tell us what our next franchise is because we are chugging along through the Kiar New Year. Um, you know, we're usually taking a break, or we would have taken a break by now, but um, due to various reasons, we're, we're, we're extending the season. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to do... Um, so franchise roulette. Before we before we do that, would you want to give us a number, Richard? So we have a Google Doc that has a list of all the franchises we could think of at the time, and we add to it over the years. And we're going to draw a random number, and that random number will tell us what our next franchise is. Um, give us that number, Richard. Well, just before we get to the number, um, I think this is our. Um, is this the first the first time we've rolled on this like? proper full list since uh, we landed from dust till dawn wow um because we did a fun franchise fortnights although i think night at the museum came from the full list maybe but it was a it happened to be a fun one we got lucky um i can't remember but um yes yeah, so here we go uh, now am i guessing or are you i think i'm guessing okay oh that wasn't loud enough Never is. 34. 34. But before we find out what franchise number 34 is, which I'm hoping will be the John Wick movies, I do just want to say that if you have enjoyed this podcast and you haven't already, please uh, support us at all the places you can. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Colt Popshire. You can support us over on uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Colt Popshire, where you can throw in some money if you so wish. You can also support us on Discord, or come say hi, I should say, on Discord which there'll be a link to in the show notes please come along and tell us what you thought of the bill and ted movies and what you thought of our thoughts on the bill and ted movies and of course please subscribe to us on all your different podcast platforms um there's an audio version of the podcast on spotify and acast and itunes and there's also a youtube version on a channel called cold popture again so if you go over there you can also support us by subscribing there richard what's number 34 and is it john wick and if it's not john wick is it speed which is technically a franchise and one of them has keanu reeves in it <laughs> um well obviously it couldn't be speed because there's only two um not true but uh yeah, so I actually realized partway through recording that um, I, I control left on the franchise list and John Wick wasn't on there. Oh my God. Um, so I added it randomly. I just chose a random number to add it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I added it as 31. Uh, so we actually weren't far off. <laughs> wow. Um, but, um, <laughs> but that means, oh no, Keanu, yeah. The, the, the groundhog has seen its shadow and Keanu, yeah, will not continue into the next two weeks. <laughs> mm. But we, I, I had to also delete a couple of franchises. So there was a bit of moving around, but the, um, the one we're going to be covering, mm. um, I think, I think this episode will be kind of seen as a 
sequel to an episode we did last year. Um, it's okay. two, two very sort of connected, um, I would say, um, franchises. Um, <laughs> any any sort of guesses there? Mm, I'm getting a vibe. I might need to um, cheat a little and read what our previous franchise oh no no you don't have to what's your vibe you're getting no 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 i gen- like i need to be reminded i mean of the franchises that we've covered in the last year because uh-huh. i know i feel like if i can look at them i'll be able to guess what it is you're mm. referring to okay so let's look at these if there was a oh is it rambo it is Rambo. Yay! <laughs> See, I knew as soon as you said that, I was like, I know exactly the kind of thing you're describing, but I can't tell you exactly what the movie is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rambo. How many Rambo movies are there? Uh, so there are currently five films. Um, yeah. Rambo Last Blood being the most recent. Which actually, this is a fun. This fits into a fun little off-pod discussion we had uh, today. That um, this. The, the phenomenon of films mm. getting two distant sequels mm. that like the distance the, the idea of a distant sequel started long enough ago that we're now getting distant sequels to those ones because yeah. <laughs> there was a 20 year gap between Rambo 3 and 4 and then uh, an 11 year gap between 4 and 5 that's right um, cool so check out that next week everybody and um, uh, yes, yeah, stay tuned, and we will. Hopefully, that episode won't be four hours long like the Rocky one is. Yeah, and hopefully as well, um, I will have fixed my internet, which explains why our chemistry might have been. Um, <laughs> I think we covered for it a little bit. My God, I was. It, I thought it was all over the place. <laughs> I've had to assume a lot of what you've you said. <laughs> I've, I, I've assumed everything you've said. <laughs> well, this um, energy... You're going to you're gonna have to pull an AJ and just s- create my reaction <laughs> oh. from elsewhere in the episode as you did last week. Don't tell people that. I want everyone to know. Everyone know <laughs> AJ's thoughts on what if, his final thoughts that sound different they sound louder than the rest of I didn't think they sounded that different. Oh. The, uh, and, and, uh, and I just I just let him say those things. I know this, listener. I I had no knowledge of that. That was recorded later. And those hmms and hahs were not, would not, were taken out of context. And in true bad internet fashion... I didn't hear all of what you said. I have to assume what you said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cool. Stay tuned for the post-credits scene after this music stops, and we'll see you next week for uh, most disappointing movies of 2021, I think. Yeah, which won't be as long as it usually is, I'll tell you that much. Welcome along to the post credit scene, everybody. This is, of course, the segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash uh you can give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. Richard, who is it from and what does it say this week? Uh, it's from Greg Buchold. But Buchold? Buckold. Um, Let David Linderhagen serious- buckled at me. <laughs> 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 Sorry, <Nick. laughs>
It's not, I'm not making fun of you necessarily. Sorry, Greg. Um, if you were serial killers separately, or oh, maybe Lord. as a team, <laughs> uh, or maybe as a team, you rogues, uh, what would your calling card uh, you leave behind at every? What would be your calling card you leave behind at every scene? Mm. Um, I would leave behind. Um, I'm currently, I can answer this actually, my fingerprints would be all over it, so I'm clearly not a very good serial killer. Um, but I'm currently fiddling with a little blob of blue tack, and I oh, make yeah. I can make little snails out of it. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so I'd leave a little blue tack snail at the scene nice. of every crime. I would leave a DVD multi-pack of Beethoven's third and fourth. <laughs> Who could it be? <laughs> 